Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. This is Movie Fighters, the show where I'm Matt Wilson and Chris Sims. We watch movies, and we beat those movies up. Chris, I would like for you to talk about our selection of movie this month for July 2018, because this is... Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Something you you just decided that we <clears throat> were going to be doing. <clears throat> So please, please explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, I made I made a command decision on this one because here's what happened. Uh, I was working and I wanted to turn on something for background noise, so I loaded up Netflix and Netflix was like, "Hey, buddy, we're pretty sure you're a small child of some description, <laughs> based on the fact that you have watched Little Witch Academia a twice." So, how would you like to watch a film called? DC Superhero Girls Intergalactic Games. And I was like, heck yes. Uh, I love DC Comics. I love characters like Wonder Woman and Batgirl. And I certainly love animated films directed at the youth market. Then I started it, and as the opening credits were playing, I realized that this was basically just going to be Equestria Girls, but with something we had context for. That's when I texted you and said, Matt, here's what we're doing for Movie Fighters this month. It is a high school AU uh-huh. about every woman, female, DC Comics superhero. Yes. Developed by Lauren Faust. Yup. Now, here's some interesting details that I am learning just from some basic reading about this. This was a YouTube series to start. Yeah, there was I think this is an original like film. Right. But there was a series of YouTube videos because I believe that it was like Equestria Girls, originally a toy line concept. But this wasn't on like Cartoon Network or so anything like that. This was a show with seasons on YouTube. And each episode is like three or four minutes long. 
that's what the kids like these days. Uh, I have heard people say, uh, my kids do not watch television. They just watch YouTube. Don't let yeah. your kids just stare at videos of people playing Minecraft. Don't do that. Well, I, it seems like this is an attempt to do something to get them to not just stare at videos of people playing Minecraft. This is an attempt to like do some narrative storytelling. <laughs> Got to get some some OC in there, some original content on YouTube for for the kids. Also, this is a pretty star-studded cast if I can if I can put it that way. I haven't even looked. Who do we have in this, Matt? So, if you know voice acting, there are a lot of name people in here. I okay, a hundred percent. Tara Strong is in this. Tara Strong is Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Raven. She reprises okay. her role as Raven. Okay. Also, we have Lauren Tom in here as uh, the Double Dare twins. If you don't know voice acting, May Whitman from oh, Arrested Development. Her? her egg. She is Batgirl and Speed Queen. I mean, also, if you know voice acting, you would likely know her from, say, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Oh, absolutely, yes. And she yeah. was also in Scott Pilgrim, the Scott Pilgrim yeah, movie. she's great. Gray Griffin, who is also known as Gray Delisle. Uh, okay, so Catwoman, a previous Catwoman. Uh, she is Wonder Woman, Giganta, Silver St. Cloud. Uh, I'm sorry, Silver St. Cloud is in this? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. And Platinum. Also, Yvette Nicole Brown, who you might remember from Community. She is mm -hmm. Principal Amanda Waller. Okay, this is sounding better and better as you go on. Here's the two things that really sold me on this. Besides the fact that I realized from the title that it would be very easy for us to compare this to the Friendship Games, was A... The first thing that happened, like right before I turned it off, the first thing that happened after the opening credits were the metal men showed up. And that uh -huh. was pretty exciting. Uh, second, a very strong recommendation. It is 76 minutes long. That's right. This one is Intergalactic Games, by the way. There yes. are two DC Superhero Girl movies on Netflix currently. What we are watching is Intergalactic Games. A few more notes on members of the cast. Helen Slater. Supergirl? Original Movie Supergirl is Martha Kent in this. Oh, that's that's good casting. That's and good. if you want to hear some more voice actor who you know kinds of names, here are some: Maurice Lamarche, the Brain himself, in here as Red Tornado and Carl Ferris. Okay, well that's okay. That's bad news because now we know Red Tornado is in this. Well, he may not be in this movie. Okay, uh, Phil Lamar who you know from a million things, is yeah. in this is Lucius Fox and Killer Moth. John DiMaggio is Wildcat. That's Jake the Dog. Jake the Dog and Bender. And Bender. Are he's also... And Aquaman from Brave and the Bold. He's also Vice Principal Gorilla Grodd. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so they go to a high school where the principal is Amanda Waller and the Vice Principal is Gorilla Grodd? Yes. This sounds great. And I think finally, I might already be super into the superhero girls universe. Uh, Tom Kenny, SpongeBob himself, is Crazy Quilt, Commissioner James Gordon, Parasite, Sinestro, and Lobo. Star-studded cast. Lots of names you know. Kevin Michael Richardson also does voices in this. Andre Romano just flipping through the old Rolodex. 
She she really went through the Rolodex on this one for sure. Also, I believe Greg's Sipes is reprising his role as Beast Boy from mm-hmm. Teen Titans Go. That's him. So, you know, lots of good lots of good people in this. Lots of good people in this. So I'm excited to watch it. I no. I am very in, interested in comparing this to the the friendship games, the My Little Pony Equestria Girls universe. No, Matt, neither of us has kids. That is true. I did once accidentally refer to you as a dad because I forgot the word homeowner. <laughs> <laughs> you you said I was because I was a dad I would own a gas can which yes. I do own <laughs> but I, I'm for, not for a context dad. my wife and I were driving around Asheville we were running low on gas uh, we did not know where a nearby gas station was and I told her it'll be okay if we run out of gas Matt can probably bring us uh, a gas can I'm sure he has one he's a dad <laughs> uh, meaning that you owned a home right, that is yeah. what I meant. But surely you have been through a toy aisle at the local Target. I have nieces, a niece and a nephew, so... Right. Yeah. Uh, I just like to go look at toys. So you've seen, surely you've seen the Superhero Girls merchandise, the toy line that all of this is in support of. I have seen it, yes. Absolutely. Do, do you have any thoughts on that before we go in? Um, I'm not against it. It's, it seems fine. This is a cool thing to... To sell to little girls as like a toy, I, I don't have any ill feelings or, or ill will uh, against the toy line or the way that these characters are being presented in this. From a design standpoint, there are designs in the superhero girl stuff that I really, really like. I think the Wonder Woman design is actually really good. I kind of like Bad Girl with a hoodie. The design that I think is weirdest is the Harley Quinn design. It's kind of like preppy Harley Quinn. Yeah, it's kind of like Argyle Sweater Harley Quinn, yeah. which I get, right? Because it's the the diamonds. Right. Uh, on on the original like, like that's the one element that is kind of survived from the original Bruce Tim design is the diamonds. They ended up getting translated into a like a like an Argyle sweater. It's weird. I think. It is weird. It doesn't it, it doesn't quite fit. It doesn't seem in character for Harley Quinn, but We'll see how she's presented in this. The The screenshots that I'm seeing for this have even different character designs where they're in like their, what is it? What is it in an Equestria Girls? Their pony forms or whatever it is? Yeah. They're, uh, they pony up. They pony up. In this, like, clearly they have a version of their costume that is more like superhero-y. Their hair gets done up a lot more. Like Supergirl's S shield turns like actual gold, apparently. So we'll see how that pans out and where that comes from. But you know, I I, I certainly have no bad feelings toward uh, the toy line and uh, what I know of it at this point. So I think there's a re- there's a really interesting trend that this is a part of because if you've walked through a Target lately, WWE is doing it too, where they have this uh, overarching franchise that has traditionally been marketed at boys, right? Like superhero stuff, pro wrestling stuff traditionally uh, has been marketed at boys. Then they make a quote unquote girly version of it, right? Like the, 
the WWE ones are very much like fashion doll, like Barbie style fashion dolls right. of Sasha Banks and and Asuka. They did that with Legos too. And I remember when they did it with Legos, there was a lot of conversation about people being like, you know, this is insulting to little girls and this is, you know, why can't they just have the same Legos that everybody gets, you know, like like everyone should get the same kinds of toys. And there was a response to that that I thought was really interesting from somebody who worked at Lego. And they basically said that the idea wasn't that they were making pink Legos or uh, fashion WWE dolls or superhero girl dolls figures just for girls. They were making it for parents because that's the, you know, marketing had conditioned parents to buy girly toys for little girls and had conditioned girls to like that sort of thing because that's what was marketed towards them. So it was a way to bridge the gap into this thing that, you know, you and I obviously are very much proponents of the idea that every, like everybody should have Superman, you know, everybody should have superheroes. They're, they're there for everybody. Yeah, and kids can play with whatever toys they want to, obviously. Yeah. But by, by virtue of having a niece and a nephew, it, it becomes pretty clear when you're around kids that for a while, at least, they're real into gender. Yeah. Well, they're because like, it's a thing that they get taught constantly by everything. Yeah. And so, you know, even if I, – I feel like even if you tell a kid, like, it's okay for a boy to play with a girl's toy – or for a little girl to play with a Superman toy, you're going to hear from them either because they heard it from other kids at their daycare or at their school, or somebody else is telling them something different. They're going to say like, no, that's for boys and I'm a girl and I want the thing that's for girls. And so you got to find a way to bridge that gap. And I think this is a good way to do it. Also toys follow trends. Yes. And I think the trend of this kind of stuff started with Monster High. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong. We, we haven't – I mean, look, I have watched every Monster High movie. <laughs> I am not surprised. Yeah, I know you wouldn't be, but we've never really <laughs> talked about it. Monster High is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of questions about Monster High. I have a Monster High pitch ready to go. Get at me. But it's it's uh, something that was traditionally a thing for boys, sp- spooky monsters, spooky monsters, Frankenstein's and Dracula's and and wolf people, mm-hmm. and it, it just t- turned a little bit to appeal to to little girls, and then I think everybody jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah, I think. Well, I think Monster High became. If the presence in the toy store is anything to judge by, let alone the ridiculous amount of varying quality media available, uh, presumably Monster High is a huge success. Oh, yeah. It has to be. It's all over the shelves. Yeah. The the toy shelves. Yeah. So why would you not want to? And I I think that's when – that's how you get to something as weird as Equestria Girls – because it's like, well, we, we know how to make fashion dolls. You know, like, like a toy company that makes – like Mattel? I guess, I guess Hasbro is, is My Little Pony. But like yeah. a company that knows how to make fashion dolls knows how to make fashion dolls. They know that there is an endless amount of them you can make as long as people buy them. 
the trick is you can't really put it on horses. <laughs> so you gotta right. come up with a way. And that's how you get something as ludicrous as Equestria Girls continues to be as a presence in our lives. I, I Yeah, I, I mean, I think you could draw a line back to Monster High and, and, uh, and get to it. But we're a little off the beaten path here. Let's get back to – we're going to watch DC Superhero Girls – but before we do that, Chris, it's time for the hottest segment in all of podcasting. The, the basis of a mega popular spinoff. It's time for Snack Situation. Chris, what are you snacking on? Today is, we're recording this on a nice, lovely Sunday afternoon. And Aiden and I went out this morning to a local bakery. And it was not as good as I had hoped. Uh, for breakfast, but we did pick up some pastries. And so I have this apple Danish that I am pinning all of my hopes on as we watch this. Interesting. We're both going in for baked goods. Ooh, what do you have, Matt? So, look, I'm going to tell the listening audience something that they may not know about me that may shock them. I'm not a New York guy. Uh-huh. In fact, I've never been. Wait, have you never been to New York at all? Never once. Oh, Matt, you should go. It's it's great to visit. I was a Chicago guy. That's true. That's true. I Here's what I am. I'm a Trader Joe's guy. Love me a Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's, hit me up. Get at me. Sponsor snack situation. But uh, one of the things I like the most from Trader Joe's, and one of the things that I get every time I go, is the chocolate Brooklyn babka. Because it is delish. And so I cut me off a big hunk of babka to enjoy as we watch DC Superhero Girls Intergalactic Games. So we're pastrying it up here for this one, Chris. I'm excited. We are going to watch the movie. It is on Netflix if you want to watch it along with us. If not, either way, you're going to hear a musical interlude and an ad right here, right now. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. And we are back from watching DC Superhero Girls Intergalactic Games. And Chris, I'm going to tell you the most surprising thing about this movie you could imagine. Okay. The Wikipedia plot summary is three sentences long. That That's one sentence per major plot. Yes. I mean, the truth is it leaves out so, so much of the movie. Yeah. I'll just read it. Supergirl, Bumblebee, and Batgirl are excited for the Intergalactic Games and win the championship for Superhero High. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's sentence one. That takes us from the beginning to the end that of the film. That is technically accurate. <laughs> however. However. Uh, however, they are interrupted by a call for help in the city. 
Supergirl, Bumblebee, and Batgirl investigate to find humans being attacked by three robots, two male and one female called Platinum. With the arrival of Starfire, the robotic trio give Batgirl an idea to magnetize them. At Superhero High School, it is revealed that Platinum and her cronies were part of an experiment to give machines more human emotion and free will to make them superheroes as well. That leaves out so much. The first sentence is the entire movie. The next two sentences are the first three minutes of the film. Yeah, because the stuff with the Metal Men all happens very quickly right at the beginning. The Metal Men are rampaging in the middle of downtown whatever city this is. Metropolis. It's Metropolis. They say it. They say it's Metropolis is where Superhero High is located. Yes. So... You know where Jim Gordon lives? (laughs) And Batgirl? Yeah. So they're raging in downtown Metropolis, terrorizing Steve Trevor in the diner that he owns? I think, we had a discussion about this, I think it's a coffee shop. It's called Capes and Cowls. Oh, we didn't, Matt, we didn't talk about Get Your Cave On. Yes, there's an opening credit sequence that is very My Little Pony Equestria Girls, and the theme song is called is Get Your Cape On, which is Get an your interesting cape on. an interesting command considering that most of the characters in this do not wear capes. One. One has a cape. One. Bat- if you don't count Batgirl's bat wings. Yeah, Batgirl has a cape adjace. Batgirl has a hoodie with wings. Supergirl has a cape, a full-on cape. Supergirl is the the only character who who actually has a cape that she wears, yes. Yeah. So I think think it's a coffee shop and Steve Trevor's a barista. Because he's wearing, like, he's behind a counter, he's, like, polishing a glass, and he's wearing an apron. So it seems more barista, less waiter, but I think that's a, a very technical distinction. Whatever the case, the Metal Men are acting way out of the character that you may know the Metal Men as having. Because they are showing up to destroy humanity. They're specifically showing up to, to fuck up this one coffee shop. Like, there is a shot. Like, there is a shot later on in this battle of them punching the building. Like, not like smashing through it, but just like punching it over and over. They also state verbally that they want to destroy humanity. They want to end humanity. Yes, there is that. Because humanity has inferior programming. (laughs) Yes. They talk about the superheroes' inferior programming on a number of occasions. Eventually, the Metal Men are defeated by the superheroes, who include – the team of superheroes in this include – you've got – Bumblebee, you've mm-hmm. got Supergirl, you've got Wonder Woman, yes, you've got Batgirl, you've got. Uh, is Katana there at that time? Katana's there in the intro. She's not there at that point. But th- that's our major characters. What the characters you've named and Starfire and Starfire are the yes. big ones. There's also, much to my surprise, the Flash. Yeah. Who I believe is, by all indications, Barry Allen. Yeah. Because there's we do see Green Lantern in the background, and Green Lantern is absolutely Hal Jordan in a kind of very funny way. 
So this is definitely Barry Allen. He never speaks, though. The Flash seems to be a member of the team. And yeah. <laughs> it is it is surprising to me that the DC superhero girls are not all girls. Like, that could have been Jesse Quick, right? It, it could have been Jesse Quick, yeah. But there was a choice to make this the Barry Al- like Barry Allen the Flash. It's almost like, Matt, it's almost like if there was some kind of chief creative officer of DC Entertainment <laughs> who was kind of responsible for being in charge of a lot of this stuff, if he just really liked Barry Allen and wanted him to be in things. It's almost like that. Now that we mention it, though, once the intergalactic games start... Barry Allen, like, Flash is also, unless I'm misremembering, also the only male superhero who competes. Everyone else is one of the superhero girls, right? Cyborg? No, Cyborg's there. He's just in the audience, though. Is he just in the audience, or does he do something with the, like, target shooting? I cannot I don't remember. Think he, I don't think he does. Cyborg's there, and Cyborg has lines. Beast Boy's there, and he has lines, but he's a commentator. He's a commentator so along like, with Harley Quinn. So yeah, Flash is like, Flash just hanging out with the ladies, which I like. I do hope that there's like a, I mean, honestly, this is not a joke. Wouldn't it be great if there was an episode where Flash was like, hey, I really wish I could just hang out with you guys. You guys are really cool. And and everybody was like, "Yeah, Flash, you can hang out." Wouldn't, like, wouldn't that be great? Totally clear here. This is the second movie. Oh, is it? Is the other one first? The other one is first in the the franchise, and then there's like ninety episodes of the YouTube series. Ninety episodes. <laughs> yeah, there's like eighty nine episodes of the YouTube series, but they're all really short. They're like four minutes, though, right? Okay, right. yeah. yeah. So well, that makes sense because we seem to be missing a lot of context. Yeah, yeah. So, like, at one point they talk about Dark Opal showing up and terrorizing Metropolis. Dark Opal, you might know as the villain from Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. I'm almost sure that there's probably an episode of the YouTube series that has Amethyst in it. Surely there would be, or maybe that was the first movie. I don't know. But whatever the case, the Metal Men are eventually defeated using magnets, and they are taken back to Superhero High School, where Principal Waller is not happy with what's going on. None other than Will Magnus, voiced by Phil Lamar, shows up, and there's a whole weird tick that Will Magnus has where he's also always popping a lollipop into his mouth. <laughs> Well, it's because Will Magnus in the comics smokes a pipe. pipe. So that's a replacement for his pipe, yes. I mean, Matt, I think our listeners have heard me mention this before. I'm pretty hardcore anti-smoking. Sure. (laughs) I do like it when characters do that. I like it when we get, uh, like, the lollipop. I think it's very, very funny. He says that he fully intended to create the Metal Men to be superheroes, to be heroic, but he did not install... The specific part, a disc, that would make them more human, that would make, have give them human emotions and feelings. If you're familiar with DC Comics, then you know that that part is called the Responsometer. And so that's why they were out doing all this rampaging in the city. Amanda Waller's mad. Batgirl just straight up says, 
these robots are corrupt. They must be yeah. destroyed. They must be destroyed. She never says she's wrong, by the way. Never once. Not what, like at the end of the like a spoiler warning at the end of the movie. Platinum is one of the crew, uh, but fuck lead and mercury though. <laughs> yeah, lead and mercury or lead and iron. Lead and mercury was it iron? I think it was. It, iron. it was iron. It was iron. Uh, lead and iron just get like torn to shit. Like they they are they are not brought back. Yeah, one assumes, but but mercury or I'm sorry, platinum is saved. Because Lena Luther shows up. Uh, mm, mm, are you sure, Matt? I thought I thought that was just mild mannered IT specialist Lena Thorl. <laughs> she is referred to as Lena Thorl uh, up to th- until the very end. Okay, but this is where I want to. Th- this is where I want to mention this. This movie's weird in in a lot of ways, but specifically in that they they do. All of these, like, they focus on the characters that DC wants to market, right? The big name characters: Supergirl, Batgirl, Wonder Woman. Bumblebee yeah. has been like a like a big marketing push in the past decade or so, uh, for good reason, I think. I think Bumblebee's a really cool character, but you know, Bumblebee's been on Teen Titans. Yeah. Uh, Starfire, obviously huge for being on Teen Titans. Everybody else is like a weird deep cut. There's a conversation where one of the characters comes over and gives like, Bar- oh, Barda also is a, a big character in this. Well, she's specifically a big character because the female Furies are major characters for the first half of the movie. Yeah. And then Barda kind of goes into the background after that plot is dealt with. Yeah. So there's a part where Barda is like sad and one of the characters comes up and is like, hey, don't don't feel bad. Like you've got friends here. You know you don't have to worry about the people who weren't really your friends. And Particos, thanks, Lady Shiva. <laughs> they do so many weird deep cuts. There's a character who showed up in this that Matt, you and I did not recognize. We could not figure him out. He's that deep of a cut. Yeah, he's from Legion, not Legion of Superheroes, but L E G I O N, the licensed intergovernmental interstellar operatives network. He first appears in Invasion. It's Garen Beck. A minor character from Legion is a major character on this show. Well, he's a major character in this movie. In this movie. In this movie. But, like, that's – it's super weird, right? Like, we get we get Lena Thorl. We get Garen Beck. We get, like, all – like, Blease is in this. Blease. From the Red Lantern. The Red Maxima. Lantern. All of the yeah. – all of the – Female Furies, including the non-Kirby one. One of the non-Kirby ones. Well, they put in... they put. I figured it out. They put in Speed Queen because they can't put in Bernadette. Yeah. Because her name is Bernadette. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Matt Harriet shows up. She's in this a lot. Yeah, it's very weird. It's very weird. Like, I feel like there's a doll of Lashina. Lashina is a pretty important character in this movie. Yes, absolutely. Here's uh, one thing we were trying to figure out as we were watching. Because there seems to be one representative of every major superhero in this universe. Because there's Batgirl, there's no Batman. There's Supergirl, there's no Superman. There's... There's Lena Thoreau, but there's no Lex Luthor that we can tell. He is mentioned, though. Is he? Yes. 
Okay. Which means Lex must have shown up earlier. So there's Lena and Lex. And I don't know if they're supposed to be brother and sister here or father-daughter, because in the comics they've been both. Yeah. I would Boy, think... remember Weird Chuck Austin Lena Luther? Oh, man. Uh, I <laughs> Who was in Metropolis one time? I would suspect they're probably brother-sister here. Probably. But, like, Flash is the only representative of, Fla- of the Flash. Uh, like, yeah. the Green Lantern is Hal Jordan, not one of the more recent female Green Lanterns. Yeah, we only see Green Lantern. We don't see... There's no, I mean, certainly we don't see Jessica Cruz, who I think would right. be too new to be in this. But, we, but you know, we don't see Jon Stewart or Guy or, or Soranik Natu or, or Mogo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's one Red Lantern. I believe Sinestro is the only Yellow Lantern who shows up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting how, like... They can only take one of each thing, apparently. Even though the one exception appears to be Lena and Lex Luthor are here. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, that's oh, not. Hawk Girl is in this. There's no Hawkman. We've seen in in the comics, like the Bombshells comic, uh, that like an explicit part of that was that like there's no Batman in this universe, but there is a Batwoman. You know, there's a, there's a Kathy Kane, but like Bruce Wayne's parents don't die, so he never becomes Batman. It's she's not inspired by him; she's a different thing. But they like superhero girls is weird to figure out because none of that's really mentioned. But we do see a Commissioner Gordon, but we also see a bunch of Batman villains that aren't villains. Well, Commissioner Gordon is reasonably there because he's Batgirl's dad. Yes. Which, uh, that's another thing. Like, no one is ever mentioned by their uh, by their civilian name, ever. Like, Wonder Woman's not called Diana, I don't think. I think uh, when Hippolyta shows up, she just calls her, like, my daughter. Yeah, well, okay. So the familial relationships are strange. Because this is not an Equestria Girls thing where it doesn't seem like anybody has parents. Yeah, people absolutely have parents in this. Commissioner Gordon is there. She's pretty clear. He's pretty clearly Batgirl's dad, even though there's no interaction that we see in this movie anyway. Supergirl doesn't necessarily have a familial relationship. There's a whole story arc in here about Starfire and her sister Blackfire. And Wonder Woman talks to her mom a lot. She talks to Hippolyta on the phone, and I said very early on in this movie, is the weirdest thing in this movie going to be that Hippolyta has FaceTime? <laughs> <laughs> if only. Matt, if only that was the weirdest thing in this movie. Yeah. But, like, Hippolyta is, like, a helicopter mom in this <laughs> in this story. She's trying to push Wonder Woman to become, like, a universal ambassador, or a universal dignitary, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so that's a story arc in here. It's interesting. Like, I was talking about this as the movie is wrapping up. There's no single lead character. There's no Twilight Sparkle of the superhero girls. Yeah. Everybody gets an arc, and it's pretty equally divided. It It is, but like, okay, 75 minutes, right? Yeah. So we get about... A 15-minute, like, two 15-minute two episodes. 
But the first part is the rest of the time. It's like 45 minutes of one story that's mostly about Big Barda. Mostly about Big Barda, because here's what happens. Lena takes Platinum, who is supposed to be destroyed, but she takes her to her secret lab instead. And starts kind of messing with Platinum to make her work for Lena Luther. But Granny Goodness is watching all this happen from Apocalypse? Oh yeah, it's Apocalypse. She's on Apocalypse. It's, it's the planet where Holocaust is a household word. Where Darkseid lives. Darkseid yeah. is mentioned Dark- by name. <laughs> Darkseid is also mentioned by name. <laughs> she's watching this happen and she's like, oh, we're going to go get Platinum. And then we're going to like cause you know all kinds of havoc on Earth for Darkseid. You know. They want to get the responsometer, which they call the responsometer. Which yes. I don't know. That's it's a word I have never heard spoken out loud before because nobody talks about the metal men out loud. But they want that for nefarious purposes. They, they later refer to it as what do they call it? The universe destruction technology. Yeah, I think that what what they're talking about is the anti life equation. But somebody said we can't say that in this. Yeah, but you can't say okay. universe destruction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they come to Earth. And they say, hey, we're not here to hurt anybody. Uh, we're here to just compete in the intergalactic games between the Korrigar Academy, which is led by Sinestro, their superhero high school. We just want to be another part of that. We want to be the, the female Furies also competing in the intergalactic games. So they are now in the intergalactic games while they're also trying to get a hold of of platinum essentially Mm -hmm. and yeah it becomes this whole thing about big barda feeling very uncomfortable that the the furies are here and uh and eventually she just she and the rest of the superhero girls just beat them and they are they are gone from the movie about halfway through yeah they're, they just bounce. They're done. And then they are just removed from the, from the games, from the intergalactic games. They're not part of it anymore. They are not on the scoreboard anymore. <laughs> Can we talk about the games for a minute? Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do that. The, now, Matt, I don't know what we will talk about because they are all very intuitive and make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so there's a target shooting game. There's a game involving hitting targets with a whip. Oh, specifically long-distance whipping is what it's called. That is judged by judges who assign scores instead of just getting scores based on how many targets you hit. Very confusing. Yeah. Super weird. Uh, there's There are foot races. The Flash wins a foot race. There's like an obstacle course that Wonder Woman wins that you have to fly through. Very interesting choices for the games here. There's a, a BattleBots competition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bumblebee and Batgirl are very invested in that one. There's a partner biathlon that we don't get to see a lot of. Because that's when... Is that when the 
female furies do their thing and like everybody has to go stop them yes no that is near the end that is a competition that that ends with uh Kurigar academy winning and the everything being tied we're gonna before they play superhero ball and that gets interrupted by lena luther Okay. I don't remember what is happening when the female Furies do their thing, but we find out later that Lena Luther actually attracts the attention onto the female Furies because she wants to get them out of the picture. Even though the female Furies have freed Platinum so that Lena Luther can have full access to Platinum. So Lena Luther is like scheming to ensure that that sh- she could put platinum under her control and uh and the female furies get kicked out of the movie uh at that point also worth noting Lita Luther has a little sentient piece of kryptonite that is her sidekick that is called a cryptomite i love this this is a brilliant idea it's not executed well <laughs> cuz it sounds like bonzo from going bananas <laughs> That's yeah, the kind of stuff it makes. But I do love the idea of a little alive chunk of kryptonite running around causing trouble called a kryptonite. That's good. That's good stuff. So after the female furies are dealt with, Big Barda kind of fades into the background of the movie. We get a lot more about the intergalactic games, a lot more of that competition. Everything ends up tied. And then Lena Luther attacks. She comes up from the ground as the superhero ball game is about to start, which feels like it's kind of like football, but we never see that game played, so it's hard to say. It's got, like, soccer goals and, like, kind of soccer goals, but, like, trampolines. If a soccer goal was a trampoline. There's some part of it that involves having to pull a lever that makes something come out of the ground. Yeah, because at one point, Lena's designing death traps, which we never get to see, minus five stars. <laughs> but Lena comes out, and she's wearing, or she's in one of those, like, Lex Luthor robot suits. You know, the yeah, green and purple yeah. classic robot suits. Yeah, a Lexo suit. You, you, you know what it is. You've seen it. And she is trying to rally the crowd at the Intergalactic Games to hate superheroes Mm -hmm. because she's like they got a a head start on all of you we should hate the supers and we should hate everybody with superpowers i would say that the crowd at a superhero sporting event might not be the crowd that's going to be the most receptive to that message and yeah because you think they you think they're there to to cheer on the superheroes right well, to their credit, they start uh, immediately booing. <laughs> and Lena just has to like start like trying to fuck up everything in the stadium. She gets into a real argument with Supergirl about how she tried everything she could to get superpowers and nothing worked, including having all this kryptonite around her, having all these kryptomites. Also, she builds an army of kryptomites. That's worth noting. But she did all this stuff, and it made her lose her hair. So we've seen that she's bald through a lot of the movie. She kind of wins. She and the the army of kryptomites 
get like Supergirl down for the count with kryptonite stuff, Sinestro is like, I'm piecing out of here. Like, mm-hmm. this is not our fight. This is not our fight. This is not our fight. Come on, we are leaving. Blackfire. Blackfire. We must go. That's how Sinestro talks in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And everybody but Blackfire leaves. But Blackfire and Starfire, who, throughout the movie, Starfire's been trying to bond with Blackfire because they're sisters. And Blackfire's been resistant to it. But finally, Blackfire is like, okay, let's bond and be sisters. And so they do this attack, essentially, on all of Lena's cryptomites, and, and they, are, they are defeated. Then, Lena Luther is put in a high-security police van, driven by fucking Maggie Sawyer and Dan Turpin. Love it. Love it. And and movie over, right? Like, the intergalactic games are done. The other team has fucked off back to space. (laughs) Uh, But no. And and, uh, movie movie over. Bad guy is defeated. Earlier in the movie, we did see that Lena was talking to somebody through an earpiece that was in her ear that just happened to have three kind of purplish dots on it. So, of course... We come to find out as she's being taken away that she has been working with Brainiac this whole time. When you say earlier in the movie, that makes it sound like we learned this early on. We do not. It's at least a half hour in before this is – I think it's after the female Furies are dealt with that we ever catch wind of Brainiac. It's – I think it's before – it's when she – it's when she puts the responsometer on platinum, I think. And I don't remember when that is in the sequence of events. Because here's the thing about this movie. It's 75 minutes long and kind of did not keep my attention. But it's so plot heavy. It's Well, it's, it's, it's plot heavy. There are plots happening. It's very kind of jumbly, is it's, I think the word for it. It's very kind of jumbly. That's an accurate term for it. So... Brainiac shows up. He's got a giant robot suit. Or he's basically like a Voltron. And all the superhero girls try to fight Brainiac, but he's got this big shield that's blocking everything. None of them on their own can take care of Brainiac. Which leads Platinum, which is now in Brainiac's possession, to kind of take note of all this and say, oh... They have to work together to defeat Brainiac. And she has this moment where the responsometer finally kind of kicks into effect, and she starts to feel feelings. She starts to have human emotions. She jumps down out of Brainiac, lands on the street in front of the other superhero girls, and says, no, I have a plan. I'm here to help you. She removes the panel that looks like her hair and reveals actual hair, which is a very important detail. It says, combine your powers in me and I'll defeat, defeat Brainiac. So all the superhero girls shoot beams of energy into platinum platinum, who is now infused with all their power flies up and just smashes the shit out of Brainiac who 
explodes in a nuclear blast. No one gets hurt by the nuclear blast because Star Sapphire is there to help him out. Yes. Then, because I loved this part, because remember how mad I got about how things went during uh, the friendship games and there was no winner. In this case, Korugar Academy is considered to have forfeited. Mm-hmm. And so Superhero High School does win the Intergalactic Games, which is good enough. That's good enough. Yeah. And Platinum asks Supergirl and Batgirl if she can sit next to them and be part of the team, and they say yes. Because there's always room for one more hero. Chris, let's talk about the high points of DC Superhero Girls Intergalactic Games. There are some good ideas. There are a lot of good ideas. I like the idea of like the high school AU. You know that I'm a fan of. Sure. I liked a lot of the the character designs. I thought were pretty good. Like there's a part where everybody transforms into their formal ball gown clothes, and we get some pretty good designs. Supergirl, especially at that point, is really good. I'm trying to think about other high points. I'm sure there are some, Matt. I, I have a few more. I mean, I think okay. the voice acting is generally good. Like the mostly, only one we pretty good. The only one we actually made fun of was Sinestro, who is voiced by Tom Kenny, who is a very professional voice actor. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just it's just such a like a parody of a certain kind of voice. But for the most part, the voice acting is very good. I, I also think- like really le- appreciate like all the deep cut stuff. You know, like they yeah. they didn't have to put Dan Turpin and Maggie Sawyer in this. But there no, they are. I mean- the fact that there's a, a character in this that we didn't even recognize from, like, deep-cut DC Comics shit is pretty great. Like, I can't say that that's bad. And this makes me feel like we're going to have a generation of little girls who are going to be like, Oh, yeah, Mongol? Or Mongal? <laughs> oh, man, Maximo, she's great. I I am a person who's familiar with Mongal. Love it. Love it. Can we talk, Matt, real quick? We we didn't do this in the breakdown. Can we talk about who's the member of each team, right? Because the members of this the superhero high team seems to be Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Supergirl, Starfire, uh Barda, and Bumblebee. Flash. And Flash. That's that's who's there. The apocalypse team who they they show up and they get a, like a little flag and it's an omega, which I think is hilarious. You know yes. the death that is life. Uh, that's you know Stampa, Lashina, Matt Harriet, uh, Speed Queen, Granny Goodness. That's that's who's there for that. Well, Granny Here's, Goodness isn't actually competing. She's no. she's like the she's like the the or. Uh, the chaperone. Yes. Uh, here's who shows up with Sinestro for Korrigar Academy. Blackfire, obviously. Yep. yep. Maxima. Mm-hmm. You know, Maxima from Almorak, who came to Earth to try and uh, get Superman to father her children. Yeah, that's her. Yeah. Uh, we get Blees. 
from the the Red Lantern Corps. Yeah, she she didn't puke any blood in this, but no blood puking on Forge. She does have her head wings though, so she's got that going for her. And Lobo, and Lobo, that that fragging bastard, the last Zarnian. <laughs> oh, that's another good thing. At one point, it's Lobo and oh, and Mongal is the last member of their team. Lobo and Mongal are facing off against Bumblebee and Batgirl in a weird BattleBots competition because somebody remembered BattleBots and thought that was something kids like. It's not. Batgirl's robot is very Batgirl style. Like, it's purple. It has a big yellow bat on it. It's got bat wings. Bumblebee's robot is like a robot Bumblebee. Uh, Lobo's robot looks like fucking Lobo, which is hilarious. It farts fire. It farts fire and has hair. Yeah. Uh, then Mongal's robot looks like Dr. Robotnik. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Didn't, they they could have done a better job on that. I'm going to split this between the high points and low points, because I don't know which one it actually is. In some ways, okay. it's both to me. One thing I was surprised by in this is how cartoony it was. And I don't mean that in, like, a, the action was over-the-top kind of way. I mean that this had... Like, Hanna-Barbera-ass sound effects in it. Yeah, I was saving that for low points. Also, there's a series of gags where the janitor, who is Parasite, you know, the Superman villain who eats people's life essence? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Is uh, continually more annoyed by his work being uh, fucked with (laughs) by the Korrigar Academy delegation like they like land on his rose bushes and stuff he's parasite (laughs) yeah parasite from from superman comics rudy maybe the best thing that happens in this movie is a part where uh i think it's starfire is explaining like blackfire is like hey you left when we were doing the biathlon and that means we're gonna win like i won and that means korrigar academy is gonna beat superhero high so because you left to go be a do-gutter, you lost. And Starfire goes, well, it's like Principal Amanda Waller always says, there can be no great victory without sacrifice. And I'm like, oh, really? Amanda Waller from the Suicide Squad said that? Huh, in- interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. There's also a similar moment to that, um, because... Wonder Woman gets promised that after the Intergalactic Games, she was going to go to this summit with Ambassador Beck to basically like learn how to be a royal dignitary. Mm-hmm. And she ends up skipping it to fight Brainiac instead. And her mom is like, no, you made the right choice. And I like that little story beat. Yeah, I thought that was fun. All right, Chris, the low points, I will continue what I was saying earlier about this being so cartoony. Those sound effects are goofy as hell. The sound effects are very bad because they are straight from the Hanna-Barbera library. Like the bong of running into a wall and the like, like the, the laser gun noise from Space Ghost happens in this a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit rough. I mean, on the one hand, it's, like, kind of nostalgic, and I can't not have a reaction to those sound effects. On the other hand, they do not match the tone of the movie at all. Yeah, it's it's very... very, It's the kind of thing that 
I think sticks out to us, people who have been watching cartoons for 35 years, but I don't know why you would throw in those sounds, you know? It's weird. It's a weird choice. I guess, were those sound effects also in uh, uh, Super Friends? Yes. I mean, yeah, they're going to be old Super Friends sound effects, too. So that's probably what it is. That seems like something, maybe. Also, uh, I want to talk about the animation a little bit. Okay. The animation is mostly fine, but there were definitely times when I noticed it being kind of terrible. In particular, there is a moment where, as she's being defeated, Lena's robot suit falls into a giant, basically eternal flame, like from the Olympics. And uh, I think it's Supergirl flies in there and fishes her out and, you know, brings her out without the robot suit. It feels like there are about 20 missed frames of animation in there Mm -hmm. at that particular moment. Yeah, there's some weird, rough animation in this. I mean, it's it feels you know it's it's not feature style animation. It's like sli- probably slightly better than the animation in the YouTube videos, mm-hmm. which I'm sure there's not a huge budget for. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it I didn't mind or I didn't notice so much, but there were definitely some bits of animation that looked not great. Like the Brainiac robot moves like a baby. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, which is not fantastic. Because it's all like a CGI thing anyway. It, the animation could be better. Let's put it that way. I, if anything, I would say the animation from Equestria Girls is a little bit better than the animation in this. Uh, I would say the number one low point for me, uh, we mentioned before that Harley Quinn and Beast Boy are kind of like the commentators of the thing, and every time they show up, it's like the worst thing that's ever happened. Well, part of it is Harley Quinn is an impression of a Harley Quinn voice that's been around for, you know, 26 years. Yeah, it's a, it's an impression of Arlene Sorkin. It's actually, it's kind of an impression of Tara Strong doing an impression of Arlene Sorkin. Yeah, it's it's the third iteration because I mean it's it is Tara Strong doing the voice in this, but she's not doing the Harley Quinn voice she usually does. Yeah, well, it, the same thing happens with uh, Starfire. Uh, Starfire, where I was convinced that this was not Hinden Walsh, who is the voice of Starfire on Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, that it was someone doing an impression of her, and it's not. It's her. It's her. Yeah, but she's doing a different version of it. Yeah, and. You know, Tara Strong obviously is great. Hendon Walsh is great. Tom Kenny's great. I think the actual, like, the casting is solid. You know, Andre Romano is very good at casting voices. Yeah. The, the voice direction is not great, I think, because these are good performers. Also, Starfire's dialogue is incredibly annoying because it takes the thing that she does in, uh, Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, where she'll, you know, refer to something as the whatever. And it's like every noun gets it. It's really bad. 
I mean, I'm going to stick by my high point that the voice acting in this was mostly good. There's just a handful of performances that are weird. Uh, Harley yeah, Quinn is is the most glaring of the bunch, I would say. Yeah, uh, not not my fave. But it's so weird that so many people in this because it's a lot of people sound like they're doing impressions of themselves, which is I don't know if these were made on uh, on a, a tighter timeline and just had to get done. But it's it's really weird, you know. What are your final thoughts about DC Superhero Girls Intergalactic Games? Well, I think the question we have to answer, Matt, the one that's kind of implicit in this whole experiment is, is this better than Equestria Girls The Friendship Games? If you had to sit down and watch a toy tie-in movie, primarily directed at little girls, about competing in a weird sports competition with villains, which one would you choose? I think Friendship Games has it. I know that you were frustrated with the way that movie ended, but... I was frustrated with the way that movie ended. Honestly, on balance, I feel like these are pretty equal. Do you really? Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm romanticizing Friendship Games, but I remember Friendship Games being better. I feel like these are pretty much on par. I feel like they're pretty close as far as... like. There's stuff I liked more about Friendship Games, and there's stuff I liked more about Intergalactic Games. Partially because I'm more familiar with DC superheroes than I am with My Little Pony. Mm -hmm. Whereas I know you know more about My Little Pony, so that might be what gives you the edge. But for me, you know, I if I if I had a daughter, right, and she wanted to watch these movies all the time on Netflix. I might be more inclined to even watch the superhero girls thing than than friendship games on repeat. Just cuz I could notice little things in the background of intergalactic games that would surprise me and delight me. Because there are so many like weird little DC comics things Oh yeah, the like background. Black Orchid is in this. Yeah. And, you know, Having watched Friendship Games once, I think I got it, right? <laughs> so, I mean, look, so fair. On repeat viewings, I think I would probably rather watch the Superhero Girls stuff again. But that's because of my own personal preferences and fandoms. Here's, Here's the big question for me. Here's okay. the big question for me. Are we going to go back and watch the first movie? Absolutely. DC, DC Superhero Girls Hero of the Year. Absolutely. Like, how can we not? At this point, yeah. how can we not? I feel like we have to, yeah. Here, here's my thing, though, Matt. And the thing that we need to know going forward. Friendship Games is for kids. Like, not even tweens. It's for kids. This is for babies. Yes and no. Yes and no. Because this is a movie that has a, a an earnestly presented storyline about how Big Barda was at Granny Goodness's orphanage. Full yes. of tortures. Well, well, Granny Goodness's orphanage is mentioned, and we know, because we have read a lot of comics, that's where children are tortured. But, like, it's also mentioned that Barda left the Furies when they were in space juvie 
Right. Like, th- this is very much for little, little kids. And I think it takes a lot of – I think it takes a lot of easy outs because of that. Like, it, it, it is it, – that is more harsh to the, the, the producers and filmmakers than I really want to be. But I think, you know, there's a level of complexity that you kind of can't do when you're making something for little kids that you can get away with when you're making something for even, like, six and up, eight and up. Certainly, like, you know, ten and up. You get into like Batman the Animated Series territory, and you can be as complex as you want because all you have to do is streamline it so that it works on multiple levels. You know, simple, right? But this, I think, is very, very straightforward, very uncomplicated, and like very flashing lights and loud voices. There's a part where Lois Lane shows up, and I'm like, okay, cool, we're gonna get Lois, and then the loud Harley Quinn literally pushes Lois off screen. And we get uh, jokes about uh, manatees and how manatee sounds like humanity. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong yeah. about any of that. That said, Equestria Girls has a good bit of that kind of stuff too. I a mean, lot of those, a lot of those Applejack jokes are exactly that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, nothing as you said that is the weirdest thing in this movie going to be that Hippolyta has FaceTime. It's not. The weirdest thing in this movie might be when Platinum takes her hair off and she has hair under it. But nothing in this movie is as weird as girls turning into ponies to win to win a friendship game. It is weird how this movie has a similar structure to the My Little Pony movies where a villainous character then becomes a hero by the end. Mm-hmm. Like Platinum is this movie's sunset shimmer. Yeah. Yeah. That, they share a lot. The, the two the two franchises share a lot. Yeah, because I think I think they're pulling from the same playbook, right? Yeah, like you want to have somebody have that redemption moment because kids like it when the villain becomes a hero at the end. You can't do that with Lena Thorrell, although you could easily, but but they don't. They, they don't. don't. It, it only happens with Platinum. Yeah. All right, uh, we're not going to be watching Superhero Girls Hero of the Year next month, however, on Movie Fighters, because Chris and I are going to be going to see a movie in a movie theater again. We are either going to be seeing Skyscraper, featuring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, continuing that trend that we've started, or we may be going to see Uncle Drew, or we may call an audible or see another third movie in the theaters, but we are going to see a movie at the movie theaters because in August we are going to be at Wizard World Winston-Salem, and we are going to peace out of there for a couple hours and go see a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be Uncle Drew. The only thing that's going to stop me from seeing old Uncle Drew is if it is not playing anymore. Yeah, I I have a feeling that might happen. Also... <laughs> That entire episode is just going to be like, this movie was great. (laughs) Don't we deserve it, Matt? Don't we deserve a win? But uh, we won't be watching the DC Superhero Girls Hero of the Year film uh, probably in September. Let's say that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Our music is by Michael Kill. Our website was designed by Sean Bogus. The Snack Situation theme is by Matt Fisher. We'll be back in August with another movie, whatever it may be, Uncle Drew or otherwise. 
Help us out on Patreon if you can. Head over to patreon.com slash Ajax and kick in a little money to help us out here on Movie Fighters if you like the show. That's going to do it for this very animated episode of Movie Fighters. Chris, what parting words do you have for our listeners? This was okay. Bye, everybody. We love you. This has been a Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants.